Good morning. It's wonderful to be here again this morning just to bring God's word. I, I want to say, this is a message that was birthed last night. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke 22. Now this is a verse that I've preached on uh, quite a few times recently. But isn't it wonderful that when you're reading a verse, God just it touches uh, a bit of it, a part of it that really captures you and uh, it's Luke 22 and it's verse 31 Simon 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 Satan has asked to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you Simon that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back strengthen your brothers and God's going to add a blessing to the reading of his precious word. But don't close your Bibles. Because what really uh, gripped my soul last night, and if you want to put a title on my message this morning, it's this. He knows my name. You know, that threw me last night. You know, it's good to get back to the simplicity of our faith, isn't it? Because at times our faith... It becomes a bit obscure and it becomes an everyday thing without us giving much thought to it. But here I'm lying last night and this, these two words grip my soul. Simon, Simon. And immediately the thought came into my He knows Simon's name and he knows my name. And oh, that just thrilled me last night to know afresh that Jesus knows my name. And he knows your name. You know, it's good when we call people by their name. When I married Jenny, if Jenny was here, I would get a row. If you and Liz know the dynamics between Jenny and I and our marriage, and, and, uh, because she knows that I do mention her quite a lot when I'm preaching, because we work as a team. Although you don't hear Jenny, we work as a real team. But when I married Jenny 17 years ago next month, you know what I found most exciting about her marriage? That when Jenny spoke to me, she called my name. You see, because for years I had been in a situation where we were speaking to each other, but there was no mention of her name. And I wonder if it was when Jenny spoke to me and she called me Bert. You, you don't know how much that thrilled me. Because, see, when you mention someone's name, it adds value to them. You know, we live in a society where people are so undervalued. And we speak about a number or a, a list in a queue or what it is. You go on these, uh, these uh, customer services and you, your call is important to us, but you're number 365 in the queue. You know? <laughs> but isn't it nice to know that we have a name? And I could say to Jenny, and she's not here, you look together when I come back, I could say to Jenny, I love you, and that would be good. But when I say to her, I love you Jenny, that has value. You see, there are a lot of relationships today are on the rocks because they forget to value the person that they're married to. But you see what I'm saying this morning? Your name is important. Now these shoeboxes here, are going to probably orphans, uh, people in, in, in dire situations. 
and nobody knows their name. Isn't that sad? We're going to sing a song at the end of our, of our meeting this morning. It was one I found last night, I didn't know it, but Graham knows it. And the author was in an orphanage in the Philippines. And he walked into the orphanage and this wee boy came up to him right away and said, My name's Jerry, we're going to be friends. Okay? And Tommy said to him, Yeah, we're going to be friends. So the next day, the wee boy comes up to him and says, You know my name? And Tommy says, It's Jerry. And he said, yeah, we're going to be friends. And three or four times a day, all the time, Thomas here, this wee boy would come up to him and say, you know my name. Because he wanted someone to know his name. He was an orphan. He had nobody in this world. But he wanted somebody to know his name. And I don't know if this is how this song really came about, that we're going to sing at the end of the service. Because he knows my name. Any, anyone been up at the... At at the Croyet Church, anybody know what I'm talking about? The Croyet Church is up uh, along from Bonner Bridge, away out in the wilds. And in 1845, at the Highland Clearances, when they were really uh, sort of chasing folk out of their homes, and they had really nowhere to go, and there was no work because they were going to bring sheep into the, 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 the highlands where the folk used to be in their crofts. And on their way to being shipped out, there was a group of, of uh, these sort of folks, these displaced people were in the churchyard. They wouldn't have been going to the church. And they were in the churchyard, they were going to be shipped away, and they would never probably come back to the place that they knew as home. And on the windows in Crewick Church, they're taking stones and they're written their names. They didn't want to be forgotten. They wanted a memory of where they had been and they were being chased out and they didn't know where and they, uh, it's just such a move if you're ever up that way go and visit the Croyet Church and look at the window it's still there in fact you want to see a photograph uh, it's on my iPad where you see the names of people who were displaced and homeless and not knowing where they were going to end up but they wanted to be remembered and the way that they were remembered was by writing their name, scratching their name on the glass. And it's still there. And so, here is Jesus. It's wonderful to know that Jesus knows their name. Amen? Come on, it's, come on. Isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? Does that not excite you this morning? It excited me last night just to think again. Jesus is here and he's, he's on his way to the cross in, in Luke 22. He's had the last supper. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's done all these things and he gets at Simon and he speaks to him by name. Simon. Simon. Now, I would normally preach on this verse and have a whole load of teaching. It's a wonderful verse that opens up an invisible world, uh, but we're not going to touch on that. It opens up intercession of Jesus, it opens up an intervention, it opens up in all these things. But I'm, I want to just speak this morning on the intimacy of our knowledge that God loves us. I want to speak on the intimacy this morning that God knows us and he calls us by our name. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, the next time you speak to someone, make sure that they, you mention their name to them. Because when you mention their name, it adds value to the person that you're speaking to. 
You know, I'm in many churches and, and, and I'm speaking to people and they're looking past me. You know, they're not looking at me, but they're looking past me to see what's happening all around about. And I know that they are not valuing me as a person when I'm speaking to them because they're so much interested in what else is When anybody speaks to you, make sure that they know that you're listening to them and that you value them and mention them by name. So this morning I want to just share a wee bit about what excited me last night. So this is, this is fresh out of the oven, this as it were, you know, and uh, I pray it's not half-baked, but I, I believe that this is a word that God wants us to speak about this morning. Simon, Simon, intimacy with Jesus. And not only are we known, not only was Simon Peter known by Jesus, but we are known by Jesus. You know, for you who are Bible scholars, there's seven times there is a double name mentioned in Scripture. You know, uh, 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 and the first one, of course, is Abraham, Abraham. And the second one is uh, uh, Jacob, Jacob. The third one is Moses, Moses. The fourth one is Samuel, Samuel. The fifth one is Martha, Martha. The sixth one is Simon, Simon. And the seventh one is when Paul or Saul's on the road to Damascus and Jesus speaks out of heaven. And he, he, he says, Saul, Saul. Uh, so when there's a double mention of, of the name, it's God has got something important to say to that person. That that person is part of God's master plan. And as we unfold our message this morning, I want you to understand, as I want to understand, that we're all part of God's master plan. We're not accidents. You know how many people have been told that none of us are accidents. We are all part of God's master plan. Now I don't know if that excites you this morning, but it excites me that I'm part of God. For all that God has planned, I am part of God's master plan. And so we, we are not only known by each other, but we're on earth, but we're known in heaven this morning. Isn't that exciting? That we are known in heaven. Your name is mentioned in heaven this morning. Do you know that? Because uh, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. And the present work of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he intercedes in heaven on our behalf. So your name is known in heaven this morning. Come on, that is just amazing. That Before all the angels in heaven, Jesus mentions your name. And I wonder what he's praying about you this morning. What, 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 do you wonder about that? Jesus, what are you saying about me this morning? What are you praying about me this morning? Because he knows my name. And uh, I'm sorry if I get you excited about this, but uh, I'm just so thrilled again, afresh, that Jesus knows my name. Let's turn back in our Bibles to Psalm 139. To Psalm 139. This is not a deep theological preach this morning. This is just something that is that is actually gripped my soul since last night. And so, as I was uh, looking at this, uh, three scriptures came to mind. Psalm 139, verse number 13. For you, speaking about God, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. 
when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me, saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever come to pass. Isn't that wonderful? These are just amazing scriptures. And I want to just leave this one this morning that... God made you, <laughs> you know, and because God made you, that brings value to your life, because God has a part in the making of you. Now, I don't want to go into the mechanics this morning of making babies, I think you all know that this morning, but I want to say that there is another added dimension, that not only in the mechanics of making babies, but there is a sense that God is there at the formation of you and of me that God had the first touch of you <laughs> isn't that good? because it said that he, he, he created my image he knit me together in my mother's womb so he had a touch on your life when you were still in the womb he was the first person to touch you now if that doesn't add value to you I don't know what I want you to get a grip of that in your soul this morning that the first person who ever touched your life was God wow because he knit you together in your mother's womb he was the first person to touch you oh he touched me yeah I love that song you know he touched me and oh the joy that filled my soul Something happened, I me whole, he touched me, he touched me, but the first person that ever touched you was God, because he was there at your very creation, at your conception, and I think that is just marvellous, that just uh, puts a solid foundation on my life this morning, uh, and uh, as, uh, as we've got a, a, a new baby growing in the, in the audience this morning, isn't it wonderful to know that God has already put a touch on your little boy's life? And I think that is just amazing that God has already touched his life because he knits you together in the mother's womb. Not only is he the God who was the first to touch us, he is the very first one to see us. He saw me in, unformed in my mother's womb. He is a, you might say, it's wonderful when you see your baby for the first time. You know, that moment of birth, that moment when, the, when your baby uh, is presented to you uh, and you see it for the first time. What a wonderful sense that is of uh, just wonderment when you hold a newborn baby in your hand, and especially when you know that it's yours. You know, there's something just amazingly wonderful about doing that, about holding that newborn baby. I was never at the birth. I'm at that age when men weren't allowed in the birthing room. <laughs> we weren't allowed to see our babies being born you know it's all changed now but at our age that wasn't looked upon as being uh, the done thing you were chased out at the end of visiting time and you never got back in until 2 o'clock the next day and your wife might have been in 19 hours of labour and all these different things and you weren't there to comfort her and hold her hand and you never saw the baby until you came back into visiting time but it's wonderful to hold that newborn baby Morris was born, I was holding him in my hand because they took him right out of the womb and they wrapped him and they brought him right out so that I could hold him in my hand. And it was wonderful to look and see him so young and to know that he was mine. But the very first person that touched you was God. And the very first person that sees you as you are growing in your mother's womb is God. Does that not value you as a person this morning? 
that we are made in the likeness and image of God and as you are being brought to the birth in the womb that God is not only he's, he's touched you and he sees you but he already knows you you know he knows you before even you thought that you were pregnant God already knew the person that was going to be born you know, we need to get a grasp of all these things again because it's simplicity but it also is fundamental to knowing that God values us that right at the very start of our life he has touched us he saw us and he knows us and all the days of our life were already written in his book before one of them ever come to pass oh God what have you written in your book for me today what, what have you got written in the book about me today so that I might come into the fullness of all that you want for me you know because we're made in his image and because he's had a part of his his touch in our lives in the womb I want to tell you this morning you are so valued by God you are so valued by God this morning. It doesn't matter what your self-evaluation is of yourself this morning. I want to tell you that you are valued by God. That right at the very start of your creation, He already was there to touch you. And to know you. And to see you. Let's turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 4 The word of the Lord came to me saying Before I formed you in the womb I knew you <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Before I formed you in the womb I knew you Before you were born I set you apart I appointed you To be a prophet to the nations Amen and if we said nothing else this morning that, that is just filled with grandeur and wonderment that before you were, were formed in the womb I knew you wow. you go into Ephesians chapter 1 and you read this that, that, that from before the creation of the world before there was anything ever else was created that God had already chosen you Away back in the, 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 the ages of, of eternity. That he hadn't even made the earth. He hadn't even made the sea or the stars or the sky. Before he had made anything else in creation. It says in Ephesians that before the foundation of the world. You were chosen. I want to tell you this morning. I hope you look upon yourself as a chosen one. Not an elite one. But a chosen one in God. That God had, had already chosen you from before the foundation of the world. And it doesn't matter about accidents or about this or about that. I want you to hear this morning that you're chosen. Amen. Come on. You are chosen. God has already put his finger upon you before you were even born. It says this, that God chose Jeremiah from before he was even formed in the womb. You were part of the master plan of God. 
God was going to do an amazing work over this whole earth through Jesus Christ. And you and I are part of all that great plan that God is unfolding just now. That God is unfolding this plan just now. And you're part of it. And I want to tell you something else this morning. The body of Christ cannot function without you. I want you to hear that this morning. The body of Christ cannot function without you. Because without you, there's something missing from the body of Christ. Because you have been brought in. If you're a saved, born again believer this morning, you are part of this body of Christ that lives and moves at this time on the earth. And it needs you to function in order for the body to work. Wow. I don't know if that's, that grips you this morning, but it's certainly gripped me. God, you have created me. You have formed me. You have chosen me so that I might express you in this day and in this age. I wrote a wee quote down here. God took his time and made everything about you on purpose. See, he made everything about you on purpose. Your strengths, your weaknesses, who you are, your nature. He, made, he took his time and made everything about you on purpose so that you would function and express that irreplaceable part of his body. I think that's amazing. That you are an irreplaceable part of the body of Christ in this day, in this generation, and in this place. Amen? Wow. He, knew, he knows my name. Before foundations of the world was laid, he had chosen us. And he says to Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart. And I think that what he says to Jeremiah is what he said to every one of us. That before you were formed in the womb, I had already put my finger upon you. Come on. You are so uniquely wonderful this morning that God has already put his finger upon you. And it says that he not only set us apart, but he set us apart for a purpose. He set us apart for a purpose. Uh, one of the authors who had an influence in my life uh, was just killed there uh, last Friday in a plane crash in Bahamas. Uh, I can't try to mind his name, but I'm getting old now. But he was killed in a, in, in a, in a plane crash as he came into Bahamas Airport. Miles Monroe. Dr. Miles Monroe. He had an influence on my life because all he taught was kingdom. He was a motivational speaker and governments around the world invited him in to speak to governments. But all he taught to the governments was kingdom principles. And they accepted that from my old Monroe. But he said this. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. But the greatest tragedy in life is to have lived and died and never found and fulfilled the purpose for which God made you. Wow. Isn't that true? You know, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but he believed the greatest tragedy in life was to have lived and died and never found and fulfilled the purpose for which God had made you. It's good to seek God. God, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What, why, did you, why did you set me apart? Why did you, why did you touch me in my mother's womb? Why, why did you set me apart? What is the purpose that you made me? And it's good just to seek God and ask him if you've never really known what the purpose for your life is why don't you seek God today and say God 
I want to know the purpose so that I can fulfill it. And in my fulfilling it, I bring glory to your name. Jeremiah, wonderful scriptures, isn't it? That not only has he made us, but he planned for us. And he took his time and he made everything on purpose so that we could be an irreplaceable part of his body at this time. Let's come over to Zephaniah chapter 3. You know all these verses, but it just, uh, it just gripped me last night as I was just... He knows my name. Amen. Come on. Say it to yourself. Jesus knows my name. He knows my name. And then if we come over to these wonderful verses, not only has God made us and God plans for us, but I want to read now these verses that tell us that God delights in us. You know, that God delights in us. It says this in Zephaniah chapter 3. That's if you, if you, if you read Zechariah, you'll come into Haggai, and then you'll come to Zephaniah. So it's Malachi, Zechariah, Zechariah, Haggai, and you'll come back to Zephaniah chapter 3. And verse number 17 says this, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. Amen. We often speak about us singing to, to, to God. But isn't it wonderful when we read verses like that. That he delights in us and he sings over us. He sings love songs over you and over me. He is with us. He is with us. The Lord your God is with you. How wonderful it is to know much of the presence of God. You know, you know when you're in the presence of God. You know that overwhelming sense of his presence. When you know, when you know that he's near. I think it was Tommy Tenney. He, he wrote a book called uh, The God Catchers. It's years since I've read that book, The God Catchers. But in it, he speaks about the tangible presence of God. That you can reach out and touch him. The air is so thick with the heavy presence of God. It's wonderful to be in that place to know his presence. He wants you and, you and me to know that. Not on, on an occasion, not only when we come together. It's wonderful when his presence just falls amongst us when we come together. But individually. He loves to walk with us. And he loves to talk with us. He loves to be with us. So that no matter where we are, we know that we are in his presence. John has reached another stage in that life and now he now is in the reality of his presence because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and John is just enjoying such an amazing fellowship this morning because what we experience here in part in time he is now starting to experience that and that brings joy that brings hope that brings comfort to know that absent from the body we are present with the Lord and not only does it say the Lord your God is with you but he is mighty to save amen he has the power our God is able amen Say to the person that here, our God is able. Come on, let's come on, let's be interactive this morning. Our God is able, amen. Because He is the God who has the power. You know, He has the power. No matter what circumstance you're in this morning, He has the power to take you through it. He has the power to take you through it because he loves you. He delights in you. He has he is put his touch on your life. From the very moment that you were conceived in the womb, he was already touching your life. 
And so why would they let your life go as you get older, as you go into circumstances? He becomes more precious to us, amen? And so he not only has the, he, he brings his presence, but he has a wonderful power to touch your lives and to change your lives and to be with us through every circumstance of life. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. You know, isn't it wonderful to think that the God of heaven, you think he's so busy running the world and ruling the world and the stars in their course and everything all taking place, but he takes the time to delight in you. You know, come on. (laughs) That's so just wonderful this morning that he takes the time to delight in you. He delights in you this morning. Come on. He delights in you this morning. He delights in you this morning. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are doing or whatever circumstance you're in this morning, he delights in you. Amen. And then it goes on to say, he will quiet you with his love. He is the one who can bring you peace. You know, I've been in situations in my life when all that's been seen above the waves has been the fingertips. You've know there. You've been there, haven't you? You've been in situations in your life when all that you that you you you, you see is your fingertips above the waves. You think you're going to be swamped. You think you're going to be overwhelmed. You think you're going to sink like Peter, and you look at Jesus, and you reach out for Him. And in all the storms of life, He's the only one that can bring you peace. You know, the disciples were getting a bit upset. Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the boat. And the waves were coming in to swamp the boat. And they were getting afraid. They were, they were seasoned sailors. <laughs> you know, they had been in storms before, but never a storm like this. And they were so afraid that they were going to lose their lives that they woke up and said, Master, carest thou not, we be perish. But see, when you're in Jesus' presence, there's no... You'll never perish. <laughs> you know, I give into my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. And Jesus rose up and says to the wind, Peace be still. You see, He's the one that brings peace. Are you needing peace this morning? Are you in a situation this morning where you need peace? Where you need just that touch of God to bring peace into your situation? He is the one who is able to quieten you with His love. And then. He rejoices over you with singing. Do you hear the love songs this morning? I had the most wonderful time of worship coming through in the car this morning. It's not often I I do this in the car, but the minute I got in the car this morning, I I was was just telling Graham, I couldn't stop singing, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I want to feel the touch of your hand on my life. When I feel the touch of your hand upon my life, it causes me to sing a song. That I love you, Lord. That I love you, Lord. It causes me to sing. And God, I'm saying, and I was worshipping the whole way in the car, and all of a sudden I would start to sing, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. The cars are all going past me. But I love you, Lord. And so... I came in here with a real sense of worship in my heart that I had just worshipped in the car and all I could sing was, God, I love you. And then God was reminding us this morning that not only do we love him, but he loves us. And not only do, do we sing these songs, when I feel the touch of your hand upon my life, it causes me to sing a song that I love you, Lord. And not only does it cause us to sing a song to him, but it's wonderful that Zephaniah tells us that he sings a song to us. Oh, the wonderful love songs that Jesus sings, that God sings over us. And uh, all the time he just loves us. 
and sing songs over us. Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel unique this morning? Do you feel that God has had a touch on your life? Uh, do you still want a touch from God this morning? I'm, I'm constantly asking God, would you touch my life? Because I don't want to rest on past touches. I want fresh touches, you know. If you only, uh, if you only, uh, on, on the day that, that well, Nicholas not there, so I can speak about her. <laughs> You know, if, if Graham on, on, on the day that he married Nicola, just, he, he touched her and said, I'm so glad you're my wife. And he never touched her again. You'd think that was strange, wouldn't it? Just wouldn't happen. And yet, we go through life sometimes not wanting the touch of Jesus in our lives. We constantly want him to touch us. Who can forget Elvis Presley? We know he's left the building, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, have you ever have you ever watched him singing Shackled by a Heavy Burden? Overcome by by guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus came and touched me, and I will never be the same again. Do you feel shackled this morning? Do you feel shackled this morning in whatever way, in your spirit, in your life, and uh, uh, whatever it is you're in this morning, do you feel shackled? Do you want to be set free this morning? Do you want a touch from God, touch from Jesus this morning? He's longing to continue to touch you. And all oh, the joy that will fill your soul. Something happens, and now I know he touched me, and he's the one who's able to make Behold, come back to Luke 22 and I'm almost finished. I don't know if you've been excited about this message. Well, I've been excited given it because it's brought back to me something or the uniqueness of my relationship with God. That before I was born, he knew me, he touched me, he had plans for me, he set me apart. I remember as a boy, and I would only be nine, as you, as you look up Luke 22, I would only be a boy of eight or nine, I don't even know if I'd come to faith in Jesus Christ. I came to faith in Jesus Christ when I was nine, uh, on the 20, 26th of January, 1954. Which, looking around the room, I don't know if any of us were born in 1954. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember walking to school one day, and I was that wee bit late. Now, we used to climb up a, a hill up to the school and up over a waste bit of ground. And I remember being on that waste bit of ground. And I heard somebody saying, Bert, Bert. And I looked around. as a wee boy at, at eight or nine. And there was nobody there. And I believe that that was God starting to call me. Because at nine I gave my heart to him. At fourteen he called me to be a preacher. I heard a man of 82 in Balfron just recently, David Hathaway. And he's 82 years of age and he's still crying for the touch of God in his life. He's still crying for the fire of God to fall on him. And I was so uh, envisioned that night again. Because I want to be, I'm not 82, but I want to be whatever age I am just now. I want to be still crying out for a touch of God in my life. Because there's no other touch is more wonderful than the touch of God. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for you, Simon. And I want to finish this morning. Not only has he made us 
It not only has a plan for us, it not only does he delight in us, but how wonderful that he continues to pray for us. Wow. He's praying for you this morning, Bill. He's praying for you this morning, Maureen. Irene, Eileen, Mavis. All these names that I just forget who they are this morning. But you know who you are. He's praying for you this morning because his role is the intercessor. He mentions you in heaven this morning. He mentions you before the Father. How unique is that? How amazingly wonderful is that? He knows my name. And that wee baby that's about to be born in, in April, he's already touched that baby. He's already given that baby a name. He already has got a purpose lined out for that baby. He's already saw the baby. And that's true for every one of us this morning. You will call his name Jesus. How did, how did Gabriel know that to bind that name? Because God had already named who Jesus was going to be. Samson was the same. There's numerous occasions in scripture where God gives a name to the baby that's about to be born. And he mentions your name before the Father. Why? Because his name, your names are graven on his hands. And so when he brings his hands out before the Father, your name's on it. Your name's already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Your name. <laughs> your name. My name is already written in heaven in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I've also en en engraved in his hands. That praying intercessor saviour. What's he praying for you this morning, Mavis? As he holds the hands out before the Father God and, and your name appears on it. Isn't it wonderful to know that he's praying for you? Amen. Simon, Simon. He knows my name. He was my maker. He is my father. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith might not fail. But even if you do fail, when you come back, you will fulfill the purpose for which I called you, and you will strengthen your brethren. Thank God he's the God of the second chances. Amen. Thank God he's the God of the second chances. Thank God he doesn't write us off. Amen. He doesn't throw us out. What does he do? He takes us out and he puts us back in his fuel and he makes something beautiful out of it. Do you feel you want to be put back on the fuel of God this morning, on the potter's fuel? You know, there's no scrap heap in God's pottery. There's no all these discarded plates and vessels outside God's pottery that he can't do nothing about. That happens in normal potteries. But it doesn't happen in God's pottery. Because when the vessel, the plate he's working on does not turn out as he expected, he takes it and he puts it back on the fuel. And I just feel this morning, this has been a simple message. But I hope it's been a profound message. That makes us understand something of the uniqueness of a relationship with God. He, he touched us in the womb. He saw us in the womb. He set us apart in the womb.
He had a purpose for our lives. He planned our life for us. He delights over you with singing. And he prays for you in heaven. Simon, Simon. That set off a chain reaction in my mind last night. And I pray that when you think about your name this morning, it sets out a chain reaction of all that God has for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just let the Holy Spirit minister into your lives this morning.